The Biden administration slams Border Patrol even as the border remains wide open. Democrats seek to blow out the spending and regulate business into the ground. And the COVID hysteria continues. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you may have noticed that the stock market took a giant dive earlier this week and then it sort of climbed back up into reasonable area later this week because there's an awful lot of uncertainty regarding the economy. When there's a lot of uncertainty, you might want to take at least a portion of your savings and put it into something that has never been worth zero. I'm talking about precious metals. Right now, you've seen another month of record inflation. That could go up or maybe we'll just get stagflation or maybe we won't get inflation. We'll just get economic stagnation. In any case, a good store of value has always been and will continue to be gold. My insurance plan remains gold and silver from Birch Gold Group. If you haven't reached out to Birch Gold to diversify your IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA, do it today. Text Ben to 474747. Get a free information kit on protecting your savings with gold. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers. Talk to them. Have them help you safeguard your retirement savings. Text Ben to 474747 to claim your free, no-obligation information kit on holding gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. Again, text Ben to 474747 to take the first step in protecting your savings today. Text my name, Ben, to 474747 and get started with my friends over at Birch Gold. All right, so Joe Biden continues to flounder about I was off for a couple of days. I came back and Joe Biden continues to be in the low 40s in approval rating. He has no public events scheduled today, which makes sense since nothing's happening, apparently. Like nothing. We still have hundreds of Americans trapped behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. We have a giant crisis over at the border. We have unemployment rate ticking up, at least more jobless claims this month. We've seen a lot of not great headlines from this administration. But listen, Joe Biden needs his nap. He needs his rest. And unlike Yours truly, where I take religiously designated days of rest, typically. Joe Biden just needs a day of rest like once every couple of days. God worked for six days, and on the seventh, he rested. Joe Biden works for six hours, and for the rest of the week, he rests. That's essentially what he does. And in those six hours, he creates whole universes of problems. The problem at the southern border continues to fester. According to Politico, the mass of thousands of Haitians at the U.S. southern border has put the Biden administration in the exact place it's tried to avoid, knee-deep in immigration politics. Well, that's the true tragedy is that things might be bad for Joe Biden. That's the true problem here. In the past 24 hours, the White House has responded to images and videos of aggressive tactics used by Border Patrol agents to corral those migrants by supporting an internal investigation into the matter. What it hasn't done yet is figure out a solution to the crowding and sanitary issues arising in what's become a makeshift encampment or stop its policy of deporting migrants upon arrival. That's left the president and his team with few supporters and allies. This is according to Politico. A coalition of more than 38 civil rights and immigrant advocacy leaders sent the White House a letter on Tuesday evening calling on Biden to immediately stop expulsions of all Haitians, some of whom arrived at the border community of Del Rio, Texas, after fleeing violence and natural disaster in their home country. Well, here's one problem with that particular narrative. A huge percentage of the Haitians who are now arriving are not arriving directly from Haiti. I mean, they're showing up in Del Rio, Texas, which suggests that they are not, in fact, taking a boat from Haiti to the border of the United States. Many of them have been in Latin and Central America for years. And then now they are figuring it's a good time to come because Joe Biden is president. The letter first provided to Politico marks a final straw, said Nana Giamfi, executive director of the Black Alliance for Just Immigration and president of the National Conference of Black Lawyers. The coalition includes the ACLU, Human Rights Watch, and the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and described the moment as a quote-unquote inflection point for Biden's commitment to a humane immigration policy. The letter says responsibility for the suffering and deaths resulting from summary expulsions and removals now falls squarely on your administration will be part of your enduring legacy. Deportation flights to Haiti must stop. Those seeking safety at our borders must be granted their legally assured chance to seek asylum. Meanwhile, members of the president's own party, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, echoed the call to end the expulsions. Increasingly, they did so while directing their ire at the White House for its handling of the situation. This, of course, is no great shock. The radical left wing of the party has taken over the entire party when it comes to immigration, and they are so deeply afraid of the intersectional coalition that the fact that these immigrants happen to be people of color is enough for them to completely disregard any questions of legality or process or anything like that. So you have Ayanna Presley, the Democratic Massachusetts Congresswoman, the adjunct member of the squad, the Ringo star of the squad, you might say. She, she was out there saying, we need to stop the deportations. Haitian lives are black lives. And if we truly believe that black lives matter, then we must reverse course. 
The Biden administration must immediately and indefinitely halt all deportations of Haitian migrants. It must affirm and guarantee the right to due process for those seeking asylum. And it must use every resource available to support those fleeing this humanitarian crisis on the island. You see, it's not that the Biden administration wants to have some sort of control of the border, or at least pretend they have some sort of control of the border. The problem is they're racist. And the, the breakdown of all issues into intersectional wokeness is really bizarre. And it's corrupted a lot of democratic politics and created a lot of internecine conflict that, frankly, is somewhat enjoyable to watch from a conservative perspective. Because you watch as the left transforms issue like immigration into issues of pure racism. And suddenly they're calling members of, of their own party racists for not wanting to simply open the border wide to people who are crossing that particular border. MSNBC had a panel saying the same sort of thing, that what you are seeing right now is just America's white supremacy in action. So having borders is now white supremacy. Like having a border is white, which is weird because if you actually look at Mexican immigration policy, for example, with regard to countries to the south of Mexico, far harsher than American policy with regard to illegal immigration. Yet apparently this all goes back to the roots of white supremacy. When you got a narrative, you got to flog that horse until it's you know well past the point of death. We'll get to the flogging of, of horses in a second because that becomes... Of, of relevance in a moment. Here's an MSNBC panel doing the same routine. It's not surprising, right, that given the white supremacist roots of this nation, that our immigration system is also reflective of that anti-blackness that exists. And so, you know, the, the situation that we have right now, Jeff, is that we have the Biden administration that has prioritized racial equity and racial justice. And for this to be happening, for black migrants to be deported, for Haitian migrants to be deported to a country that is suffering a recent earthquake in a political assassination of their president, this is just completely unacceptable. So you can't support anybody if you believe the Black Lives Matter. You cannot support anyone under any circumstances if you believe in the intersectional coalition. So Biden's being attacked from his left. He's also being attacked. From his rights. We'll get to that in just one second. Again, all of this is brought about by not having any sort of consistent policy with regard to the border. Biden wants to say that he has a border policy and that he's going to take measures to secure the border at the same exact time that he ripped on Trump for having a border policy. The predictable result, a bunch of people showing up at the border and a bad photo op for Joe Biden at the very least. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's discuss the simple fact that if you are in incognito mode when you use the Internet, it actually it doesn't help you all that much. I mean, the reality is that your ISP can still see exactly what you are doing. To really stop people from seeing the sites you visit, you need to do what I do and use ExpressVPN. Think about all the times you've used Wi-Fi at a coffee shop or a hotel, even at your parents' house. Without ExpressVPN, every site you visit could be logged by the admin of the network. That is still true even when you're in incognito mode. What's more, your home internet provider can also see and record your browsing data. And in the United States, they're legally allowed to sell that data to advertisers. ExpressVPN is the app I use. It encrypts all of your network data. It reroutes it through a network of secure servers, so your private online activity stays just that, private. ExpressVPN works on all your devices. It is super easy to use. The app literally has one button. You tap it to connect. Your browsing activity is secure from prying eyes. So stop letting strangers invade your online privacy. Protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash pen. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash pen to get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash pen to learn more. Expressvpn.com slash pen to get the three extra months for free. Okay, so Biden is being attacked from his left. He's also being attacked from his right. Tulsi Gabbard, Democratic Congresswoman who recently ran for president, she blasted Biden. She tweeted out, the humanitarian and national security crisis on the southern border is the direct result of your open border policy. As I said in my 2020 presidential campaign, we can't have a secure nation if we don't secure our borders. Meanwhile, the Border Patrol is blasting the White House. The union characterized the White House as inept for failing to have any plan in place to deal with the influx of some 15,000 migrants that left the agents completely overwhelmed. Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council, provided text from emails. He said the union had sent to the administration all the way back in June, warning about the influx, influx of migrants in Del Rio. In the text, the union suggested a way to process the crowds more smoothly. But apparently, the response from management in the Border Patrol's Del Rio sector, according to the union, was that several other platforms were being considered, which were more efficient. Okay, so all of this is a running disaster. And the Biden administration, of course, has no actual plan to deal with any of it. In fact, there are now reports that Haitian migrants are simply being released into the interior of the United States. According to the Associated Press, Haitians have been freed on a, quote, very, very large scale in recent days, according to one U.S. official with direct knowledge of operations. So while the Biden administration is saying, oh, yeah, we're taking people, we're putting them on planes, we're flying them back. In reality, literally thousands of Haitians 
are being simply sent into the interior of the United States. Are they being COVID tested, by the way? I have serious doubt. Any sort of criminal background check on that? Or are we just releasing people into the interior of the United States in order to comply with the intersectional diktat of the woke left in the Democratic Party? The official who was not authorized to discuss the matter and thus spoke on condition of anonymity put the figure in the thousands, in the thousands. According to the AP, a second U.S. official, also with direct knowledge and speaking on the condition of anonymity, said large numbers of Haitians were being processed under immigration laws and not being placed on expulsion flights to Haiti that started on Sunday. And according to NBC News, for Haitians hoping to get to the United States, the administration's decision to release many people is a welcome relief. Three hours after leaving the makeshift camp under the International Bridge with his pregnant wife, Mackenzie Veyard stood outside a gas station in Del Rio, Texas, waiting on a Greyhound bus to take the couple to a cousin who is living in San Antonio. So the Biden administration says, oh, yeah, 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 it's not us. We're trying. We've told people not to come and that if they come, they'll be turned back. But um, also, we might just release them into the interior of the United States. We might just do that as well. All of this is, is incredible and insane and, of course, very, very bad. Meanwhile, apparently, there are reports that the Biden administration is trying to use Gitmo as a place to house some of these migrants. We'll see how it goes with the left wing of the Democratic Party when Joe Biden starts shipping Haitian migrants to, to Gitmo. According to NBC News, the Biden administration is advertising for a new contract to operate a migrant detention facility at the U.S. Naval base at Gitmo with a requirement that some of the guards speak Spanish and Haitian Creole, according to government records. A little-known immigrant holding facility has a capacity of 120 people. It will have an estimated daily population of 20 people, according to the records. Formal bidding is expected to take place later this fall. Again, AOC nowhere to be found. Where exactly is AOC in her white outfit at Gitmo protesting the treatment of these Haitian migrants? After all, doesn't she care, as Ayanna Presley says, about these people of color? Or only when Trump is president does she pretend to care about all of this happening? Remember, this is all because the adults are back in charge. And we were told that these are the adults. These are the, in fact, they are such adults that the special envoy for Haiti, the ambassador, Daniel Foote, a career member of the Foreign Service, has now resigned. He says he will not be associated with the U.S.'s inhumane, counterproductive decision to deport thousands of Haitians. He says the people of Haiti mired in poverty, hostage to the terror, kidnappings, robberies, and massacres of armed gangs, suffering under a corrupt government with gang alliances, simply cannot afford the forced infusion of thousands of returned migrants, lacking food, shelter, and money without additional avoidable human tragedy. The collapsed state is unable to provide security or basic services. More refugees will fuel further desperation and crime. Surging migration to our borders will only grow as we add to Haiti's unacceptable misery. Haitians need immediate assistance to restore the government's ability to neutralize gangs and restore order through the national police. So basically, it's our job to fix Haiti, according to this particular ambassador. And because the Biden administration is not doing that, then um, he is going to leave. He says the hubris that makes us believe we should pick the winner again is impressive. The cycle of international political interventions in Haiti has consistently produced catastrophic results. More negative impacts to Haiti will have calamitous consequences not only in Haiti, but in the United States and our neighbors in the hemisphere. All of this is leading to a mass exodus, according to the Wall Street Journal. Quote, the gathering of thousands of Haitians at the Texas-Mexico border this past week reflects a stark change in migration patterns to the U.S. driven by COVID-19. Oh, is that is that what it is? It's the COVID-19 of it, is it? Because COVID-19, I noticed, started, you know, like last March. And it seems like the giant drive toward the northern border of Mexico and the southern border of the United States, uh, that really started to ratchet up as Joe Biden approached becoming president of the United States. A far broader mix of nationalities is turning up at the border than in the past. For decades, most crossers were Mexican men. In recent years, families from troubled Central American countries of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, known as the Northern Triangle. Suddenly, Ecuadorians, Brazilians, Nicaraguans, Venezuelans, Haitians, and Cubans are turning up by the hundreds of thousands, a trend that accelerated sharply in the past six months. From October 2020 through August, nearly 300,000 migrants from countries other than Mexico and the Northern Triangle were encountered at the border, a fifth of all crossings. For all of fiscal 2020, when the pandemic slowed the flow of migrants, the figure was nearly 44,000 or 11% of crossings. In fiscal 2019, it was 77,000 or 9% of crossings. So now, again, it's like 20% of all crossings are from countries other than Mexico and the Northern Triangle. Why? Because they see that Joe Biden is president and they understand that Joe Biden cannot make up his mind whether he actually wishes to enforce the border or whether he wishes to attack the border patrol. And in the end, as always, Joe Biden is, is basically going to side with the radical left. Joe Biden is already moving towards siding with the radical left because he can't take the blowback from his own base. Remember, Joe Biden was elected based on the promise that he was going to be a moderate. And now everything he is doing is basically no different than anything that Bernie Sanders would have done. 
I mean, I'm Bernie Sanders of now, because if you go like 10 years ago, Bernie Sanders was actively anti-illegal immigration. If you ask Bernie Sanders about borders like 10 years ago, he sounded exactly like Donald Trump. The White House, for its part, says it doesn't even know how many Haitians have been deported, which is obviously the sign of a great policy. You have no idea how many people you've deported and how many people you're releasing into the interior of the United States. Here is Jen Psaki doing her utmost to try and, again, make up the bed for the guy who just pooped it. Do you have the numbers? How many Haitians have been deported? How many have been processed? And how many have been allowed to stay in the United States? I certainly understand why you're asking and understand why people have been asking Secretary Mayorkas. Those are numbers that are uh, the the Department of Homeland Security would have the most up-to-date numbers. But why is it so hard to keep track of a simple number like that? Why can't you give it? Why can't he give it? It's been two days now he's been asked that. I'm certain they will provide it. It's an absolutely fair question to ask. And uh, I'm certain he just wanted to have the most up-to-date numbers to provide. So once again, that's going to be a no on any sort of relevant numbers, just as they had no idea how many Americans were trapped behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. There's a shocking lack of numbers when it comes to how many migrants they're actually deporting and how many they're releasing into the interior of the United States. You might say that they're just lying to you. You might say that they probably have this data. They're just never going to give you this data. You may notice that all of your favorite commentators who are talking about the Adults in the room, all the people on the left who suggest that this is a data-driven administration will never give you one iota of data to support a single position they are taking, whether it is COVID, whether it is migration, or whether it is Afghanistan. They have no stats to offer you. And if they offer you a stat, they immediately cover it in a drool of sycophantic nonsense about how Biden is in control of the situation. It's just ridiculous. So when you're in trouble, what do you do? Well, you do what the left typically does. You attack the law enforcement. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about a simple fact. The reality is that you need life insurance. You do. I mean, let's say that you are walking down the street and for some reason, you're just walking underneath an apartment where they're lifting a piano into the apartment. And then the string breaks, the piano lands directly on you. Well, as the lifeblood seeps from your prone body, you might think to yourself, man, I really should have gotten life insurance. I should have listened to Shapiro when he said, head on over to Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why compare? Well, you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. In fact, you could save 1300 bucks or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius thousands of five-star reviews across Trustpilot and Google, and eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. This exclusive policy was recently rated number one by Forbes Advisor, higher than options from Ladder, Ethos, and Bestow. Getting started is simple. First, head on over to policygenius.com Shapiro, and in minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, compare personalized quotes, Policy Genius team will handle all the rest. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Get started right now. Policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Policy Genius. Because when it comes to insurance, it's nice and quite important to get it right. Okay, so when you're in trouble, if you are the Democrats, just blame the people who are in charge of implementing the policy. Right? When you have a spike in crime in major cities around the United States, you blame the cops after you attack the cops, which is why they stopped enforcing the laws against crime. So you tell people on the border, Do not enforce the law on the border. Then they don't enforce the law on the border. Then you tell them you need to enforce the law on the border. Then they start to enforce the law on the border. And when there's blowback, you're like, God, those people who are enforcing the law, I can't believe those people. They're just terrible. So over the last three days, we have seen this myth that has now taken on epic proportions that Border Patrol agents are going around whipping people. They're going around actually taking whips and hitting people with whips. There is no evidence to this. None. Okay, there is not a single piece of evidence. Number one, the Border Patrol doesn't have whips. And there's not a single law enforcement agency in the United States that has whips because we don't live in the slaveholding South. And we also don't live in like 13th century Europe. Okay, nobody goes around with a whip on their belt. That is not a thing. Okay, beyond that, they've now claimed that, well, that even if they weren't using whips, they're using the reins of their horses as whips. Okay, the evidence that they have been using the reins of their horses as whips is that there are pictures of them with the reins of their horses, which are long reins that you actively use in order to direct a horse. I may be no horseman, right? I'm in, I'm a city Jew, but let me just tell you, even I know because I have seen a Western. Why? I mean, have you, have these people never even seen a Western? Like they use the reins in order to hit the horse, to make the horse go in a particular direction. You don't have to be some sort of Western expert to understand what the border patrol agents are doing. But if you take a photo in a particular position, then it makes it look as though perhaps these Border Patrol agents are actively going around just smacking the hell 
out of the migrants who are crossing illegally. Okay, all of this has led to a massive news cycle in which the Biden administration gets to be on the right side of history. You see, this is all about trying to struggle to find a narrative where they're on the right side. Now, they say they're not responsible for their own border patrol, right? So remember, the border patrol is run by the administration. I'll also note a, a bit of a disconnect here. The rule apparently in the Biden administration is if you drone an innocent family in Afghanistan based on Taliban intelligence, nobody gets fired. However, if somebody takes a photo of you taking the reins of your horse and hitting the flank of your horse with the reins from a particular angle, there might be a full-scale federal investigation. So probably you should have just chosen to work in DOD and drone a bunch of kids. If you'd done that, then the Biden administration's like, whew, that guy, wow, th those guys, they're doing their job. Like droning the kids, that was part of the job description. But what was not part of the job description of being a Border Patrol agent is apparently using the reins to hit your horse on its flank in a compromising angle. This is what we definitely have to avoid. And by the way, it is worth noting here that there are federal charges coming against Haitian illegal aliens for attacking U.S. pilots, biting ICE agents, according to reports. So it's not as though all of the migrants who are coming into conflict with Border Patrol and ICE are somehow all wonderful people who are all not doing anything to violate the law other than seeking a better life. There's some people who are actually like attacking Border Patrol agents. According to the Daily Wire, Haitian illegal immigrants who are in the process of being removed from the U.S. after they broke U.S. federal immigration laws allegedly attacked U.S. pilots and several ICE agents, including biting at least two agents. The Washington Examiner reported federal assault charges will be brought against two Haitian migrants after they bit federal law enforcement officials on board a deportation flight when the plane was taxiing to the runway. So, yeah, things are, are going fantastically well. The White House, however, is in full scale investigate mode. It's time to based again on a lie. Basically, there was a picture that was taken again of a Border Patrol agent with long reins in his hand and a migrant who's kind of beside his horse. And people are like they're whipping the migrants. They're whipping the migrants. Okay, uh, what are, okay, how about some video? There are cameras there the whole time. Have we seen any video so far of them actively taking the reins and smacking migrants with the reins? Has any of that video emerged and we've missed it? Okay, th there is a whole article in USA Today about Border Patrol agents on horseback whipping Haitian immigrants. And then they had to issue a correction where they said, oh, well, the El Paso Times has updated story to reflect that its reported had witnessed at least one Border Patrol agent on horseback swing his reins like a whip. Toward whom? The horse? And what? So the White House is in full-scale investigation mode because, again, it is all about covering ass. And if you can attack Border Patrol, you don't have to talk about the fact that your policy is a complete and utter failure or, depending on whether your policy is mass migration entering the United States, a complete and utter success. You just don't want to tell people about what your real goals are. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about keeping your home safe and secure. So as you can tell, I am filming today from the road. That means that I'm regularly accessing my Ring Alarm security system. I'm much more at ease when I'm on the road or away from home because of Ring. My Ring Alarm equals peace of mind. Protect your home with Ring Alarm. Ring Alarm is a powerful, affordable, whole home security system you can easily install yourself. It works seamlessly with other Ring products in one simple app. For a special offer, head on over to ring.com slash Ben. It's the perfect way to start your Ring experience. You can keep an eye on every corner of your house with the indoor and outdoor cams. You can see what's happening directly from your phone. Protect your home anytime from anywhere with Ring Alarm. Go to ring.com slash Ben for a special offer on a Ring Alarm security kit today. One of the things I love about Ring, I got three kids. They're all crazy. They run around. They evade my detection. Well, with Ring, they no longer evade my eyes because my Ring device allows me to see them. You can build a system right for your home. Have it up and running in just minutes. Head on over to ring.com slash Ben. That is ring.com slash Ben. Once more, ring.com slash Ben for a special offer on the Ring Alarm security kit today. Okay, so as I say, there were all of these reports on Twitter of Border Patrol agents whipping people, whipping people. So the White House now says it is seeking more information on this. So Jen Psaki expressed her outrage at all of this. She said, oh, it's just they're, they're, I'm, I'm outraged at all of this. OK, well, then you might have actually you know what have solved all this? By the way, let's say for for the sake of argument that there were actual abuses in which Border Patrol agents were smacking migrants with the reins of that they use on the horse. You know what would have solved that? I can think of a device that would have solved this. Like, really, it's kind of old. It's kind of an ancient technology. See, what you do is you put a brick on top of another brick. Then you put like a crap load of bricks all together and you put it up like real high. And then you build this brick structure all along the border. You might call it a wall, right? And, and maybe you campaign on that. And maybe Democrats then obstruct the building of that. And then they're mad when Border Patrol agents have to police the unwalled areas. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so Jen Psaki, uh, she, she said that she was very upset about this. She says, I've seen some of the footage. 
I don't have the full context. I can't imagine what context would make that appropriate. I don't have additional details. I certainly don't have additional context. I don't think anyone seeing that footage would think it was appropriate or acceptable. Videos taken by Al Jazeera and Reuters appear to show law enforcement officers on horseback using aggressive tactics, including swinging long reins near migrants who crossed the U.S.-Mexico border near Del Rio, Texas. Near migrants. They didn't actually hit them with the reins. They had the reins near the migrants, like in the general vicinity of the migrants. I want to see any of these people honestly try to enforce the law. And then they're very angry also because there are videos of Border Patrol agents grabbing migrants who are attempting to get across the border and then just take off into the interior of Texas. So I have a question. What do they think law enforcement actually involves? Like, seriously, what do they think law enforcement involves? Do you hand people a lollipop? What exactly are they supposed to do when people take off from the interior of the United States without being processed in any way? I mean, honestly, they probably should. They should probably just let people go at this point since the Biden administration just skipped the middleman. And the Biden administration is bringing people to a processing facility, then giving them a bus ticket to San Antonio and being like, be on your way, good sir. So you could just, if you're the border patrol, you could just be like, welcome in, enjoy. This land is your land. This land is my land. In an Al Jazeera video, a law enforcement officer on horseback is seen swirling long reins near a group of migrants. Shortly beforehand, another individual on horseback is heard yelling at the migrants saying, you use your women. This is why your country is bleep because you use your women for this. Um, so it is unclear what prompted that, why they, why they were yelling about using the women. Is it possible that somebody was hiding behind a woman as they attempted to flee into the interior? Because you might see the outrage there. You might see why that would be unjustified. In any case, this, this all must be investigated. This is all like the big issue here is not the tens of thousands of people descending on the United States border every single hundreds of thousands of people over the past few months, millions by the end of the year. None of that is the issue. The issue is the border patrol. The people you put in a position to actually police the border. If you can crap on them, then the left will celebrate you, even as you set up Gitmo, and even as you ship out some Haitians on flights back to Haiti. Here is Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of DHS, expressing his outrage over all of this. I was horrified by what I saw. I am going to let the investigation run its course, but the pictures that I observed troubled me profoundly. That defies um, all of the values that we seek to instill in our people. Any mistreatment or abuse of an individual defies the, our values and who we are and what we stand for. Uh, who we are and what we stand for is apparently open borders and crapping on anyone who attempts to actually enforce the law. Now, listen, if there are abuses, people should be investigated and prosecuted unless they drone kids in Afghanistan. Then we give them a medal. But if they are abusive in the sense that they say a bad thing, or if they use their reins on their horses in the general two-mile vicinity of people who are attempting to cross the border illegally, then obviously we have to spend our days talking about how they're using it like whips. This prompted Kamala Harris, who, who I thought it was her job to get the border under control. Where, where is she? Why isn't she policing the border? Didn't Joe Biden put her in charge of border policy? So she's an abject failure at that like she is at everything else, but she keeps failing upwards. Here's Kamala Harris blasting Border Patrol. What I saw depicted about um, those individuals on horseback treating human beings the way they were is horrible. And um, I fully support what is happening right now, which is a thorough investigation into exactly what is going on there. Um, but human beings should never be treated that way. And I'm deeply troubled about it. Okay, by the way, you know what Border Patrol is going to do? They're going to do exactly what cops everywhere have done. They're basically just going to be like, okay, all right, like, come on in. <laughs> because why would you risk being caught by a photographer swinging your reins at your horse and there's a migrant nearby? Or I'm saying something impolitic to somebody who maybe is using their uh, a, a woman or a child as some sort of shield. You, you're not going to be caught doing that, right? You're just going to let people go, which is, of course, what the Biden administration means to do in terms of policy. But at least the Democrats are pleasing their base. At least Joe Biden is pleasing his base. Maxine Waters, who's just a nutcase, she says that this, what we are witnessing here, it's worse than slavery, worse than slavery. What the hell are we doing here? What we witness takes us back hundreds of years. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Cowboys with their reins again, whipping black people, Haitians into the water where they're scrambling and falling down when all they're trying to do is escape from violence in their country. Okay, so I can see a few distinctions. One, we're not enslaving any of those people. Two, 
All those people are attempting to enter the United States. Okay, it turns out that slaves did not actually want to be in the situation of slavery. Now you're saying that Haitians attempted to escape in the United States who are being deterred by the Border Patrol are the equivalent of slaves who are being held as property by fellow Americans in the most immoral act in American history. So, um, no on that. That's a no on that. Well, here, here's the good news. If you just rip on law enforcement, you never actually have to come to grips with the fact that your, your policy just blows. It's just a terrible policy, and everyone knows it, and the facts are on the screens, and you can try to cover it up by spending all of your time talking about how in favor of human rights you are while reopening Gitmo, shipping people back to Haiti, and ripping on the Border Patrol agents who you have now tasked with controlling the border. That, that, that can be your policy. It's just not a very good policy. The good news is that we have a, a fully cognizant and with it president of the United States who's perfectly transparent, loves to answer questions from the press, really wants to be honest with the American people, which is why he will answer no questions from the American people or answer questions from the press. So the other day, he had Boris Johnson in the Oval Office and uh, they had this little photo op and then it was supposed to end. And Boris Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK, he was like, oh, I'm happy to take questions. And Joe Biden's like, no. And so you get the odd spectacle of Boris Johnson being like, I'm happy to take questions. And the media like, okay, I don't really want to talk to you, but the guy next to you, you know, the one who's presiding over this entire disaster, we got some questions for him. And Joe Biden just kind of like shrinking and shriveling into a ball and all of the aides being like, get those people the hell out of here. What are they even doing here? These press people with their pressing, what, 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 this journalism must stop immediately. Don't they understand their job is simply to carry water for the old man? The old man needs them to carry water. And Joe Biden's over there like snoozing and drooling into a cup and Jill is massaging his shoulder. It's, it's so weird. Here's, the, here's a little bit of that. I think nobody wants to see anything that uh, interrupts or uh, unbalances the, the Belfast Good Friday uh, Accords. That's the uh, Belfast Good Friday Agreement. That's, that's the... Oh, that, I, I, I think that's it. No, get the hell out of here. You're not at, you will not ask questions of the old man who's destroying our border policy, destroying our economy, destroying <laughs> federalism and wrecking our foreign policy. No, there will be no questions for this old gentleman over here. Stop being mean to the nursing home patient. Jen Psaki basically said that. Right? The White House press secretary was asked about this. And uh, she says, we're mad at Boris Johnson. And we're super mad at Boris Johnson because Boris Johnson answers questions from the press. This is an actual defense by the press secretary. It's not good. It's not a good defense. The British Prime Minister in the American Oval Office called on British reporters, and then when American reporters tried to call on the American president, we were escorted out, let's put it that way. Well, I think uh, in that circumstance, and, and I think our relationship with the United Kingdom and with Prime Minister Johnson is so strong and abiding, we will be able to move forward beyond this. But uh, he called on individuals uh, from his press corps uh, without alerting us to that intention in advance. He didn't tell them. Bojo is wrong because Bojo didn't tell them he was going to take questions. And that never happens. Remember, this is an entire administration constructed around the premise that this barely warm corpse of a human is actually running things and is capable of running things. I mean, he is. He's making some baseline decisions. And then everybody else is going and implementing. They're scurrying around to please the old man. And meanwhile, the old man won't answer any questions to the extent that his own press corps are are being basically policed by the internal press secretaries of the White House. Joe Biden is being handed lists of reporters to call on at press conferences. And they'll be like, they've got an appointment for me later. I've got I to gotta go see the proctologist. I'm going to see Like, oh, unbelievable performance by the president of the United States. Oh, a shocking amount of competence being exhibited every single day. Okay, we're going to get to the shocking competence of this administration when it comes to the economy, which is teetering on the brink. First, let's talk about a simple fact. A lot of people are out hiring right now. It can be tough to find the best employees. Right now, there are like 10 million open jobs in the United States and not enough people to fill those jobs. Well, this is one time it would be excellent to use ZipRecruiter. Businesses are turning to ZipRecruiter to fill those roles. Check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they will send your job to over 100 top job sites, giving you access to their network of millions of job seekers. ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans resumes to find qualified candidates for your open roles and then proactively presents them to you. You can easily review recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job. That encourages them to apply faster. According to ZipRecruiter internal data, jobs where employers invite candidates to apply get two and a half times more candidates. ZipRecruiter technology is so effective that 
four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. Just head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. All righty, we'll get to more on this in a moment. The collapsing economy, because it, it is it is slowing at the very least, and it is because of Joe Biden's COVID policy and because of his economic policy. It's because the Federal Reserve has basically been tasked with doing all economic policy, and people are disquieted as well they should be. First, it's no secret that today's America is short on truth, especially when it comes to the legacy media. That is why The Daily Wire started Morning Wire, the daily morning show dedicated to bringing you all the news you need to know without any spin or hidden agenda. It's the only daily podcast that values your time and the truth. While we're working overtime to make sure fact-based news still has a platform, we do need your help to keep Morning Wire trending. So subscribe, start listening right now to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. You are listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Remember, Joe Biden came into office and he made a tripartite promise. He was not going to shut down the economy. He was not going to shut down the country. He was going to stop the virus. Um, all three of those things are untrue. So this is going very poorly. According to CNBC.com today, first-time filings for unemployment benefits jumped last week, hitting the highest level in a month, according to the Labor Department. Initial claims for the week ended September 18th on a seasonally adjusted basis, totaled 351,000, an increase from the previous week's upwardly revised 335,000, well ahead of the 320,000 Dow Jones estimate. The total was the highest since the week of August 21st. Markets reacted little to the news. Stock market futures pointed to a strong opening. Safe haven government bonds saw yields rise, an indication that investors were selling fixed income as yields move opposite price. Well, the reason they are selling fixed income right now is because of inflation pressures. You don't, you don't stay on fixed income when the government is about to blow money into the economy. That's like the dumbest thing you can do. The inflationary pressures that are being brought to bear by the federal government right now are long-term and they are systemic. Okay, we're not talking merely about short-term price spikes. We are talking about the devaluation of the money you have in the bank unless you go and you put it in stocks, which is why the stock market continues to rise because people are looking for a safe haven to put their money right now. And meanwhile, the Democrats are enraged, enraged that Republicans are standing up to their big spending plans. So when you already have inflationary pressures, right? when you already have the Federal Reserve that has been tasked idiotically with both full employment and monetary stability, okay, this is something that goes back decades, the Federal Reserve should have one job. That is monetary stability. It should not be the job of the Federal Reserve to ensure full employment. That is normally the job of a legislature if you are going to be in that sort of business. Having an independent agency that is designed in order to inflate or deflate the currency in order to achieve full employment essentially puts the Federal Reserve in charge of all financial policy in the United States to the detriment of people who, for example, hold savings and live on fixed incomes. All of this leads to inflationary pressures that in the end bankrupt you faster because you recognize that if you keep inflating the currency, just to take a quick example, if you inflate the currency year on year at a higher rate, if you keep pumping money into the economy via Federal Reserve stimulus or via legislative stimulus, then, for example, the fixed income benefits of Social Security have to rise in order to meet that. And if they don't rise, then people start saying, where's all my money? And if they do rise, who's going to pay for that? Then you need to take out more debt or you need to increase taxes. Everybody knows this is the case. But politics is the art of pushing off the inevitable in favor of temporary expediency. That is what politics in the United States has become. Perfect example of this is the continuing debt ceiling debate. So here's the thing. The reason we keep hitting the debt ceiling is because we keep taking out debt. That is the reason we hit a debt ceiling. Okay, if you, if you don't take out more debt, you don't hit the debt ceiling. We are now at like $29 trillion in national debt in the United States. And we have to service that national debt, right? We have to pay people back because we borrowed money from them. We have to pay off on the bonds. We have to do all that sort of stuff. And that is incumbent upon us. And if we don't, we have to take money from places in the government where it sits in order to pay off that, that those debts, right? We, we have to take money from, for example, Social Security or from food stamps or from some of the programs that are funded. And we have to push it over to the higher priority of paying off all of the interest on the debt. Well, every so often we hit the debt ceiling and parties, both parties tend to be like, okay, well, we'll push it off until next time. We'll push it off until next time. Well, Republicans right now are saying, we're not going to push it off until next time. And we're not going to push it off until next time because we know the minute we raise the debt ceiling, you immediately take out debt beyond the debt ceiling, right? This is the little game. If we keep expanding the credit line and you keep blowing out the credit card, we're idiots to keep expanding the credit line. 
So if you want us to raise the debt ceiling, you are going to have to pledge to actually come up with a plan to repay the debt or, you know, not blow out trillions of dollars in spending. By the way, we do this with foreign countries all the time, right? One of the chief methodologies of the IMF for years, really since the end of the Soviet Union, the, the IMF and the World Bank, one of the things that they have been doing since the 80s and 90s is when a country is heavily in debt, they say, listen, we are happy to give you a loan, but you have to show us how you're going to restructure your economy so you don't just keep taking out debt and spending tons of money. What the Republicans are saying to the Democrats right now is exactly that. And Democrats, of course, are complaining, like, why won't Republicans go along with this? We, of course, have to raise the debt ceiling. It's irresponsible not to raise the debt ceiling because then we can't pay off our bills by taking out a second credit card because that's essentially what we're doing. The debt ceiling is taking out a second credit card. And Republicans are like, no, you're going to have to come up with some sort of plan to, to pay this off and then we'll let you take out a second credit card. But we're not going to let you keep blowing out the spending and take out the second credit card. And Democrats are wildly angry about this. What if the risks that people are feeling in the market have very little to do with our unwillingness to take out a second credit card and more to do with the fact that we now have a system that reinforces taking out more and more and more debt without making any sort of long-term plans for repaying any of it. And that eventually reality will set in. And that reality is likely to set in sooner rather than later if you regulate the economy at the same time you're doing this. If you want to do debt-led growth, you have to let business actually use that debt to innovate. You have to let businesses go out there and make product. You have to let businesses go out there and invest in new and creative ways. But if you blow out the debt and all you do is pump money into systems that are non-innovative, in the end, demand will start to curtail. Demand will fall off because you have not created new cool products for people to invest in. And then you end up with actual inflation. You end up with stagflation. Anyway, the, the Democrats are fighting mad at this. It's irresponsible. I, I love this. It's irresponsible not to take out the second credit card. Because if we don't take out the second credit card, how are we going to pay off the first credit card? Here's Joy Reid doing that routine. They're literally willing to destroy the U.S. economy just to own the libs. Republicans are refusing to vote to increase the debt ceiling, which could have catastrophic results. It is so bad that six former Treasury secretaries wrote a letter imploring Congress to extend the limit, saying that allowing an unprecedented default could cause serious economic harm. Confronted with that reality, Republicans say that, of course, the U.S. can't default on its loans. But they refuse to help Democrats in any way. Why should they help Democrats in any way? Democrats should be helping Republicans. Democrats are in the majority. All Democrats have to do is say we're not passing a $3.5 trillion budget along with this $1.2 trillion infrastructure package, grand total $4.7 trillion inside a month after a $1.9 trillion boondoggle that we passed back in February after spending $7 trillion last year. All they have to do is say we're not doing that and they get their debt ceiling increase. But they don't actually want to do that, right? They just want to keep being irresponsible. Here's Don Lemon pushing the same idea. Oh, it's the Republicans who are the bad guys. Weird, because I noticed who's in charge of the Senate and the House. Is there any purpose to being in charge of the Senate and the House if you bear no responsibility for the actual budget? Bernie Sanders says, quote, this is a slow and torturous process when you have 50 people and no votes to spare. And going on to say that he thinks at the end of the day that they're going to work it out. That with a battle raging over what should be a slam dunk, and that is the vote to raise the debt ceiling. It should be a slam dunk, I should say. It should be a slam dunk. It should be a moment of bipartisan unity. The Treasury Secretary is warning of economic catastrophe. And anxious Democrats are floating a plan B, raise the debt limit themselves on a party line vote. Okay, then they can just do that. They can. They can raise the debt limit themselves on a party line vote if they, if they really need to and if they really want to. Or they could make a deal that's bipartisan in nature, like Joe Biden once pledged to do. What are the markets seeking right now? The markets are just seeking stability and they're getting none of it because of the bad COVID policy of this administration and the bad regulatory policy of this administration and the fact that this administration is obviously, obviously attempting to curtail alternative forms of investment so that you are forced to basically buy U.S. government bonds and do things that the government wants you to do. Right? The, the greater top-down command and control priorities of this administration, combined with their desire to spend oodles of money, is creating utter turmoil in the markets, which is why, you know what restored some level of semblance to reality to this market? So the market dropped dramatically earlier in the week. Why? Because of the talk about the debt ceiling, because of the talk about the budget, because of all of that talk. Okay, now the Federal Reserve signaled that it is going to start reversing its pandemic stimulus programs in November and could raise interest rates next year amid risks of a lengthier-than-anticipated jump in inflation. The response from the market is that major U.S. indices soared to intraday highs following the central bank's statement. In other words, the markets are not looking for more loose money. The markets right now are looking for some semblance of sanity and stability. 
Meanwhile, the Biden administration is providing none of it. The Wall Street Journal reports that the major U.S. indices jumped literally within minutes of the Federal Reserve saying we are going to start tapering off all of this spending. We're going to start tapering off the QE. We're going to raise the interest rates. That is because everyone thinks the government is being irresponsible, but Democrats want to be irresponsible. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, not only do blinds enhance the aesthetic appeal of your home, they also offer practical benefits. By effectively blocking out harmful UV rays, they help protect your furniture and flooring from fading, ensuring your interiors retain their beauty for years to come. Their insulating properties help regulate the temperature inside your home, keeping it comfortable year-round while potentially reducing your energy bills. With over 40,000 five-star reviews, Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. You can measure and install them yourself or have Blinds.com send local professionals to take care of the installation for you. There's no showroom, no retail markets, no matter how many order installation is just one low cost. And if you don't have an eye for design, Blinds.com experts are always available to help choose the style and color right for you. Everything they sell is covered by their perfect fit and 100% satisfaction guarantee. With hundreds of styles and colors to choose from, Blinds.com is sure to have the perfect treatments for your windows. Shop Blinds.com's anniversary sale right now through March 13th for up to 50% off. Again, save up to 50% off for limited time at blinds.com. And when you check out, don't forget to tell them you heard about them at the Ben Shapiro Show. Rules and restrictions may apply. So let's talk about democratic irresponsibility for a second. Okay, at the same time that they're talking about how we need to raise the debt ceiling, they're talking about basically prohibiting banks from making responsible decisions. In a little noticed story, Joe Biden is now expected to name a Cornell law professor named Saul Omarova, comptroller of the currency. Okay, this is a Wall Street regulatory position, which again, all of this stuff is, is patently unconstitutional. All these regulatory positions have nothing to do with the original structure of the Constitution. The administrative state is a disaster area, but this particular pick should be shocking to Wall Street. Again, the, the goal here of the administration is command and control, top-down economics, because Joe Biden, who is barely alive, knows better than you how to spend your money and knows better than the banks how to invest your money. According to the Wall Street Journal, President Biden plans to nominate a law professor who has criticized Wall Street banks to oversee some of the largest U.S. lenders. Biden is expected to tap Saul Umarova, a Cornell University law professor, to become comptroller of the currency, which oversees national banks like J.P. Morgan Chase and Bank of America. The OCC is an independent bureau of the Treasury Department and oversees about 1,200 banks with total assets of $14 trillion. That's two-thirds of the total in the U.S. banking system. It makes it one of the most powerful regulators alongside the Fed and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. The powerful comptroller of the currency has a seat on the board of the FDIC, as well as on the Financial Stability Oversight Council, a panel of senior regulators charged with detecting risks to the financial system. So what does Omarova actually want to do? Well, first of all, she's a woman. And as we know, that's the important thing. Even though women don't exist. I mean, we've been told that men can be women. In fact, as we'll discuss in a moment, uh, the woke have now suggested that even if you are to say woman in a quote, like an old quote, will now remove it. But she, it's very important that she is a self-identified woman because she's the first full-time comptroller to run the 3,500-strong agency since Abraham Lincoln signed it into law in 1863. She would likely work to help fulfill Mr. Biden's campaign push to expand access to banking services in underserved communities. As part of that effort, she would help lead a planned overhaul of the rules for the Community Reinvestment Act, a decades-old law governing hundreds of billions of dollars in lending and investment in low-income areas. And now, you might remember the Community Reinvestment Act. The Community Reinvestment Act was one of the vehicles that was used to create the 2008 real estate bubble because the Community Reinvestment Act was basically the notion that we had to push banks, we had to push private entities or public private entities like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac into giving loans at non-repayable rates to people who were likely to default. She is now going to be in charge of this. Okay, what's some of the stuff that she's talked about? Well, on Twitter, she criticized this summer's end to temporary restrictions on big bank share buybacks and dividends after the banks performed well in annual stress tests. So she says banks should not be allowed to buy back their stock and said we should just have diluted prices for the stock. In a separate tweet, she criticized a news report on acquisitions by J.P. Morgan. Quote, does the world need J.P. Morgan to grow bigger or more powerful? Just wondering. Well, I mean, the question isn't should they grow bigger or more powerful? The question is what right do you have to stop them from making economically feasible decisions? Omarova has called for a shift of consumer banking deposits from private firms to the Federal Reserve. She calls to effectively end banking as we know it. So what she would like is for you not to deposit your money at a bank, which, by the way, creates the economic system that we have. Because if you deposit money in a bank, your money doesn't sit in the bank. The bank then lends out the money at an interest rate to other people who then take that money and create new products and services. If you leave it with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, for example, or the Federal Reserve, 
You think the federal government is going to give out loans on the basis of loans that are likely to be repaid? Bank of America has an interest in its loans being repaid. Does the federal government have any interest in its loans being repaid? Of course not. They can just tax you to fill in the gap. They can just take out more bonds. Her 2020 paper endorsed steps to, quote, radically redefine the role of a central bank as the ultimate public platform for generating, modulating, and allocating financial resources in a democratic economy. The people's ledger. So we're going to turn the Federal Reserve into not just the central bank of the United States. We are going to turn it into apparently the only bank in the United States controlled by the federal government. You don't see any sort of risk to this? You don't see why perhaps Wall Street is a little shook by this administration? A Republican Senate aide said GOP lawmakers are concerned her views are, quote, far to the left of anyone we've seen in the regulatory space. Well, yeah, they they are. Meanwhile, in other news that is likely to upset investors, the Federal Reserve is looking into launching a digital currency. Now, having a digital currency on its own is not that bad an idea, right? Digital currencies, I'm a big proponent of Bitcoin. I'm a big proponent of Ethereum. I own some of both. The, The idea of a digital currency, which cuts out all of the sort of middlemen that that exist when you do a financial transaction. And there are all sorts of like seven, eight institutions. Every time you swipe your credit card, there are seven or eight institutions in the middle before the payment is actually verified. Right? Having a, a, a Fed coin, for example, that is pegged to the price of something, to the, to the price of the dollar, makes some sense. But the problem with creating a Federal Reserve currency is that what you are eventually going to get is the Federal Reserve actually controlling how you spend your dollars. If the Federal Reserve is where you hold your dollars, right? A digital currency. So right now, if you own Bitcoin, you own it in a place like Coinbase, right? You have a digital wallet. The digital wallet holds the currency, okay? If you have a Fed coin, like a digital US currency, it is going to be held by the Federal Reserve, presumably, digitally. What if the Federal Reserve decides that it is going to place a negative interest rate on your savings, right? It's going to spur you to spend by creating a negative interest rate, charging you to hold your money in the Federal Reserve system and then making it nearly impossible for you to take that money out and invest it in an alternative form of currency like Bitcoin. That's precisely what it seems like the federal government is now intent on doing. Also, do you really think it should be easier for the Federal Reserve to distribute money? It is very likely the Federal Reserve, instead of having to inflate the currency by buying bonds, what if they just add a few zeros to the ledger and they just directly deposit all of the money? What if they just do that? We'll just make, we'll give them even more power. According to CNBC, The Federal Reserve is pushing ahead with its study into whether to implement its own digital currency. We'll be releasing a paper on the issue shortly. No decision has been made on the matter as of yet. The Fed does not feel pressure to do something quickly as other nations move forward with their own projects. And now, again, there could be a Fed coin or there could be a financial financial security infrastructure set up by the United States that facilitates the use of alternative cryptocurrencies. But that's not what this is likely to be. This is likely to be a Chinese-style Fed coin in which they can inflate and deflate the currency jog you to spend or jog you to save by central policy. Powell said the Fed is working proactively to evaluate whether to issue a central bank digital currency, and if so, in what form. Establishing a digital dollar has been on the Fed's radar for more than a year. It announced in May it would launch a deeper examination into the issue with a paper to follow. Advocates say a central bank's digital currencies, the benefits include getting payments quickly to people in times of crisis, also providing services to the unbanked, right? The fact is that there are a lot of people in poorer areas who can't get a bank account because Number one, they live far from a bank. Or number two, they're a bad credit risk. So the the bank doesn't want to extend them credit, for example, or it costs an overhead charge in order to open a bank account. They can't afford it, so they're just unbanked. There are a lot of people, this is why people go to payday lenders, for example. Okay, so that's actually a good service. It makes sense. This is all the services of Bitcoin, but brought to you by the federal government. The problem is when they start manipulating the currency, which is probably what they will do. Powell says, quote, we think it's really important the central bank maintain a stable currency and payment system for the public's benefit. That's one of our jobs. The test for any form of digital currency put out by a central bank is, quote, are there clear and tangible benefits that outweigh any costs and risks? Okay, some concerns have been raised that if the Fed does not act more aggressively, the dollar's position as the global reserve currency could be challenged. But again, what most people on the sort of libertarian right who are big into Bitcoin are worried about is not that the U.S. is going to be outcompeted by by China on this, although that is a concern. What they're more worried about is the Federal Reserve taking over all of the auspices of decentralized banking by re-centralizing banking. And this is why I would be far less concerned about a Fed coin if they were not simultaneously looking to heavily regulate crypto. Right? They're seeking to cut off all alternative avenues of investment. According to the 
according to Bloomberg News today, quote, cryptocurrency firms are fighting for lobbyists and fielding subpoenas in what could be an existential fight over how the multi-trillion dollar industry should be regulated. So in other words, what cryptocurrencies basically are is they are a way of you diversifying against the interests of government. That is basically what cryptocurrencies have become. Bitcoin has risen in price as people have become less sanguine about the prospects of central governments actually repaying their debts, just like gold and silver, right? It's a digital form of, it's a store of value for a lot of people. Secondarily, crypto can be used as an actual currency. El Salvador recently said that you can use crypto as a currency. It has yet to gain a full-scale foothold in the United States for use as an actual currency with its own value, and it's still dollar-denominated in a lot of places. With all of that said, the notion that you're going to regulate Bitcoin so that it is now a security as opposed to, for example, a currency or a commodity is really dangerous. If the federal government can regulate alternative forms of currency out of existence, regulate alternative forms of commodities out of existence because they're afraid you're going to invest your money in Bitcoin as opposed to the Fed coin. Well, that that just leads to more centralized power. More centralized power is precisely the opposite of what people were seeking to achieve with digital currencies in the first place. According to Bloomberg, over the last decade, the cryptocurrency market has grown from a little-known project shared among technologists and libertarians to a massive, largely unregulated sector. But even as the sector has found innovative ways to record ownership digitally and transfer money cheaply, right, that's what blockchain does. The idea is that blockchain makes it secure to transfer your money because we can verify every single transaction. It's also launched savings accounts and investment funds. Products regulators say ought to follow the same rules as those of traditional financial networks. And of course, the Senate of the United States basically tried to kill crypto just a couple of weeks ago when they... In this $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, they refused any edits that would have exempted Bitcoin miners from regulations targeting securities traders. Right? All of this is dangerous. There's a reason, for, the, for example, that China has been targeting Bitcoin, right? China has been basically locking down Bitcoin and stopping crypto mining because they're afraid that people are going to start moving their money away from Chinese currency and into Bitcoin. So what you're seeing from the Biden administration is heavier regulation, shut down the alternative avenues of investment, and We'll maximize the amount of control that the Federal Reserve has over your dollar. And maybe through new regulatory infrastructure and maybe through new regulatory appointments, we'll put in place people who basically shut down the ability of banks to invest properly. And then you wonder why the economy is slowing because you've created systemic obstacles to the growth of the economy. And at the same time you're doing that, you're still locking down the country over COVID where you're still doing the COVID paranoia routine. It, it, it is amazing. You know, every few days, I just, I, I wonder to myself, why are we still doing this? When I say this, I mean, once you're vaccinated, you're good to go. And people have lost their absolute ever-loving damn minds. They've lost their minds. Okay, every season, on average, many of the past seasons for flu have been more dangerous to children, for example, than COVID has been over the lifelong course of COVID. Right? Those are just the death stats on, on the flu versus the death stats on COVID for children. And yet we are still locking down in parts of the country. This is a question of policy. It is not a question of Delta. What the media and Democrats keep seeking to do is blame Delta for their own bad policy decisions. So when the economy slows based on their bad policy decisions and based on their COVID lockdowns, they say that's Delta's fault. That's not our fault for locking down. That is, that is the, the virus's fault. It's existential circumstances, extraneous circumstances dictating all of this. The problem is all of this is predicated on the lie that they know how to actually stop this. And the reality is, of course, that they don't know how to stop this stuff. I mean, they really don't. After mandating masks outdoors, for example, in Oregon, Oregon's active COVID-19 cases have increased, Oregon's active COVID-19 cases have increased, I kid you not, 73%. According to Jim Garrity, reporting for National Review, on August 24th, Oregon Governor Kate Brown insisted, instated rather, a state masking requirement that requires everyone five years and older, regardless of vaccination status, to wear a mask, face covering, or face shield in outdoor spaces if they're less than six feet apart from individuals not in their household. Then she says, cases and hospitalizations are at a record high. Masks are a quick and simple tool we can immediately deploy. Um, on August 24th, Oregon had about 50,000 active cases. As of yesterday, Oregon had 87,000 active cases. So those masks really working their magic. Meanwhile, New York City is attempting to lock everybody down again. The MTA has said they are going to start issuing $50 fines to riders for not wearing masks, which I guess is a great way of raising money for the bankrupt MTA. According to New York CBS Local, wearing masks on buses and subway trains has already been the rule for months. Many people aren't following it. The MTA says its warning period is over. It's not just about protecting people from crime. It's about protecting people from COVID. Well, I mean, they're not protecting people from either crime or COVID, but they're going to start handing out fines, which is just a way of, of them raising money. And it's going to be fun to watch the wailing and gnashing of teeth by the intersectional left when it turns out a disproportionate number of those fines are going to Black and Hispanic Americans. 
which is likely what is going to happen. Okay. Meanwhile, there's a new study out suggests that COVID is becoming more airborne, it is evolving to become more airborne and have a higher viral load. According to the Jerusalem Post, newer variants of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, may become more airborne as they evolve, according to a recent study from the University of Maryland published in the Clinical Infectious Diseases Journal last week. People infected with the alpha strain of COVID are exhaling 43 to 100 times more of the virus into the air compared to those infected with the original COVID-19 strain. The research found the viral load in the air from alpha was 18 times more than could be explained by the increased amounts of virus in nasal swabs and saliva. Researchers found that face coverings like surgical masks and cloths reduce the amount of virus breathed out into the air by about 50%. There's only one problem. If you're breathing 18 times more virus than you were before, and then you decrease it by 50%, you're still breathing out nine times more virus than you were before. So good luck with that. But that's not stopping. Again, this is, this is all crazy. I know many people who have gotten COVID after wearing masks. My niece got COVID after wearing a mask at school. You know what? She was fine because she's a child. The bottom line is this. We now have a vaccine. Vaccine is highly effective against hospitalization and death. Now we're done. But we can't be done because people have decided that they have the capacity to control everything. And just as with the economy, everything can be controlled. It's an almost pagan ritualistic subservience to the notion that if we just wish hard enough and mobilize fast enough, we can stop any problem. And it's not true. This is why I have to, honestly, what Anne Hathaway and Ciara and all these other stars did this weekend over the, over the course of the past week, it's just as effective in stopping COVID as any of these government policies, apparently. So what did they do? They wrote an open letter to COVID. According to the New York Post, the COVID-19 pandemic is still raging on nearly two years after the disease was first identified. Have no fear, Hollywood is here to help. 70 entertainers signed an open letter to world leaders in a plea to help stymie the spread of COVID. An open letter. Ooh, wow. And COVID saw and COVID quaked. The letter was constructed by the global nonprofit CARE. Model Iman is the organization's global advocate and helps urge leaders to increase their vaccination efforts. The letter was published Tuesday. It coincides with the UN General Assembly and the global COVID-19 summit hosted by Biden. By the way, Biden hosted that summit. And then he said, let's do this again next year. Not kidding. Really happened. The, the memo asks leaders to provide vaccines for 70% of the world's population by 2022. It also requests resources for countries with lower capital, more support for healthcare workers, as well as a vested interest in public education. The letter says none of us are safe until all of us are safe. Then what are the vaccines for? None of us are safe until all of us are safe. No. All, everyone who's vaccinated is safe. What are you talking about? We call on leaders gathering at the UN General Assembly to boldly act together to end COVID-19 everywhere. Wow. Well, you know, if Malin Ackerman and Debbie Allen and Bobby Burke, who I don't even know, and Jordana Brewster and Connie Britton signed a letter, oh my God, Alexander Daddario signed the letter? Richard Gere is on here? Unbelievable. COVID, COVID is over, man. They, 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 they did it. We did it, guys. We together, Joel McHale and Alyssa Milano signed a letter with Edward James Almas and Zach Posen? Woo! Sarah Silverman signed a letter with Michelle Williams against COVID? I can't, well, problem solved. The reason I'm making fun of this is only because these people are only slightly more effective than most governments have been in actually stopping COVID. The only thing that has stopped COVID in any serious way has been either you're an island and you just are a fascist island like Australia has become, or you decide to vaccinate and huge swaths of people vaccinate. Those are the only things. And so those are your choices because the choice of not getting COVID is, is really not a choice at this point. But we're just going to continue panicking and then blaming the virus for our own stupid panic. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis continues to be the bad guy. So the governor of Florida yesterday, he banned quarantine mandates for students exposed to COVID. Okay, because this has been the standard in Europe for a long time, right? Is that if you are in a room and you're a child and you're exposed to COVID from another child and you're asymptomatic, you don't have to quarantine for 10 days because it's really dumb and Otherwise, we're just going to have to shut down all human interactions forever. Here's Ron DeSantis banning it, but this makes him a bad guy. We are going to be following a symptoms-based approach. Uh, if somebody is symptomatic, of course, they stay home. Um, if there's a close contact, but somebody has not developed any symptoms, you monitor them. You notify the parent. The parent always has the right to, make, to, to have their kids stay home if they think that's in the best interest of the student and the family. 100%. We would not want to intrude on that. But... If a parent has a healthy child, uh, that child uh, you know, has, a right, has a right to be in school. Okay, um, he is correct about that, but this makes him the bad guy. Because again, Ron DeSantis refuses to suggest 
that government actors can control all aspects of life because they can't, because they can't. But this makes him the bad guy. The good guys are the people who want to control every aspect of your life, except apparently for the southern border. Because if you control the southern border, this makes you a racist. Man, the experts are back in charge and ain't it wonderful? Can't you feel that things are going great? Alrighty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content coming up soon as the Matt Wall Show. It airs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Post producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, the ACLU honors the anniversary of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death by erasing women. Also, Whipgate enters its fourth day with the Democrats and the media sticking to the false narrative no matter how many times it's been debunked. And several late night hosts all teamed up last night to bring our attention to the alleged climate crisis. It was hilarious comedy, as always, from that group. Plus, Kim Kardashian is leading the charge to free another murderer from prison. And Vice publishes an article claiming that natural immunity doesn't exist at all. Isn't that blatant? medical misinformation. We'll discuss all of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.